that I spoke, I spoke about Esau and Jacob and how their father had favored the one and the mother had favored the other and how it caused a division in the family. And when I started studying um, to speak again, I ended up, I, uh, I, I want to continue because I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure. I had some questions about uh, their mother and stuff. So anyways, I started looking at it again. And what I came to see, which became revelation to me, was in Genesis 25, verses 20 to 24. I'm not going to read it, but that's a scripture reference for it. Uh, it says um, that Isaac was Abraham's son, and he was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. And then in Genesis 25, verse 21, Rebecca had been barren for 20 years. That sounds really hopeless <laughs> when you're waiting 20 years to have a family, you know, and um, that's basically famine. <laughs> and in that day, like, it, it, uh, women were really looked down on if they couldn't have children, which is horrible because it's bad enough being disappointed that you're not bearing and then to have fa uh, the community scorn years, it's just awful too. So what Isaac did was Isaac uh, had prayed for her, and she conceived and became pregnant with twins, Esau and Jacob, when Isaac was 60 years old. So he, he was pretty old himself when she finally conceived. And so... Um, when you think about it, later on, Esau was 40 years old when he married his wives, who were daughters of Canaan. And then Jacob had met his wives when he was around 40 years old. And I looked up the number 40. The number 40 means cleansing and purifying new beginnings. <laughs> I am not going to get emotional. God gives us cleansing and purifying and new beginnings when we become his children. He is so good to us. Glory to God. So restoration begins in Jacob's life. When Jacob prayed, you can look at it in uh, Genesis 28, verses 20 to 22. Genesis 28. I don't like to, to try and teach from stuff that I haven't learned from myself. So anyways, <laughs> I, th I think it, it's much better to teach from when you've learned stuff. So anyways, in verse 20, it says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, God, if God will be with me and will keep me, in this way, uh, that I will go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, 
shall be God's house. And of all that you shall give me, I will surely... I will surely give the tenth unto you. Jesus' name, I take authority over, over this in Jesus' name. Ah, this attack will stop. Jesus' name. Ah, it became revelation when when we learned about tithing, like Pastor Gary said, our lives have totally changed. When you put God first, there is nothing in hell that hell can send against you that you can't conquer. That's right. My gosh. Ha, ha, ha. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so later on, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that's right. And you know, that's what I said. I said, God, you are so cool because you put my name as Shirley, and Shirley is all through the Bible. So I claim all those verses in Jesus' name. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yes. So, anyways, uh, so I'm going to do kind of a Reader's Digest version of uh, snippets of uh, Jacob's life all through his life because uh, it was really interesting and just pulling things out. So uh, later on, uh, Jacob had done foolish things in his past, but he was no longer a fool. He sought to do God things God's way, and uh, tithing was his turning point that changed his future. After Jacob left to go to Padam Aram, Esau decided to, to do things to obey his parents for their favor and acceptance, because he was the only one at home now. And so uh, in Genesis 28, verse 8 and 9, it says that he married an Israelite because they didn't like his other two wives. <laughs> Uh, his his Israelite wife's name was Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, which was Abram's son of the flesh. And it wasn't the son of promise because Isaac had been the son of promise. So when Jacob sent word to Esau to make amends, Esau had brought 400 men with him. And Jacob separated his family into two groups in case war happened. They both forgave each other. And it says in the Bible that the land could not support their cattle and beasts together in Genesis 36, verses 6 to 8. So they separated themselves. They would have to have been extremely wealthy <laughs> for that to happen. So as we follow Jacob's wife, or Jacob's life, <laughs> He had a daughter named Dinah, and she had gone out to meet the, the daughters of the land in Shechem when they moved to Shechem, because I could see that being a natural thing. When you move somewhere new, you want to get to explore and become familiar with where you're, you've moved to. 
So she went out to uh, meet the other girls in the homeland and stuff in Shechem. And she ended up meeting the prince of the country, a Hivite named Shechem, who saw her and took her and laid with her. And he decided that he wanted her as a wife. And so he ended up keeping her in, in his home. Wow. Um, and I was thinking about it. And because he was a prince, that might have been kind of totally acceptable in his culture <laughs> because he's a prince of the land. <laughs> but when he took an Israelite woman, <laughs> that was not <laughs> that was not a good mix. No, that was not a good decision. <laughs> and so um, uh, he told his father, Shechem told his father that he wanted to marry her. And he, uh, uh, his father approached Jacob on behalf of his son's request to marry her. So Jacob decided to wait to discuss the matter with his sons, which I kind of think was probably a big mistake to, to, con to give counsel with his sons. Because Dinah was kept in Shechem's house. She was basically kidnapped. And Jacob's sons were furious when they found out that he had humbled her. And they decided to deceive uh, them. And uh, uh, they had told these uh, people from Shechem, they said, uh, well, you can't marry her unless you become circumcised because that's the way we believe. <laughs> so anyways, the townspeople decided that this would be okay. The father and the son talked with the people, the men in the town, and they said, look, this is a good deal. They are extremely rich. This could be beneficial to the community. <laughs> Let's become circumcised, and then what's theirs will become ours. So that was the mentality behind it. So anyways, all the men of the community decided to become circumcised. Well, Jacob's sons, on the third day that they were circumcised, when they were healing and at the most vulnerable points, they went and they massacred every man and male that was in the village and in the town. And so then... They not only killed all the men, they went and they took all their wives and their children and their livestock, like they totally spoiled the community and took everything they had, all the riches from their houses. They, com <laughs> they completely did it. <laughs> and then, apparently, Jacob was just freaking out when he found out what his sons had done, because apparently they did not tell their father what had happened. And so Jacob, uh, it says, uh, they spoiled the city, taking the wives and children and spoils of the house. And, and then uh, Jacob was scared that they were going to get destroyed by the Canaanites and the Perizzites, or Perizzites. <laughs> Probably were parasites. <laughs> but, you know, but God. God put a fear of Jacob's family in all the surrounding 
and towns and villages that they decided they were not going to pursue after them at all. Because Jacob, well, he had gone to God to find out what he should do, you know, because he thought, oh my gosh, they're going to want to kill us. And so anyways, God told him, he said, go to Bethel. He said, go back to that place. And so anyways, uh, Jacob went back with his family. And God had told him to God told Jacob and his family to put away the strange gods from among them, return to Bethel, and to build an altar to worship God. And so Jacob called the place El Bethel at that time, and it means the God of Bethel. Isn't that cool? The God of Bethel. And so um, Bethel by itself means the house of God. But this time, he realized that it's the God of Bethel. (laughs) So we receive deliverance when we put away the distractions. What I got from it was we receive deliverance when we put away distractions and worship God. And that's what Jacob had been called to do, was to go to Bethel and to worship God and build an altar to him. And so uh, the the. The words of the hymn came to my mind at that point, too, saying, The things of the world grow strangely dim in the light of its glory and grace. Doesn't it? Yeah. You forget all the fears and all that stuff when you focus on God. (laughs) Yeah. And so, anyways, uh, and when we back up and focus on God, what happens is we give God permission to come in and he'll be able to arrange things with the angels and stuff to set things back in order. You know, he'll, he'll bring order to the chaos that we're facing. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> so uh, God changed Jacob's name to Israel when he came out of Padam Naram and blessed him. Uh, and then it says later on through the Bible that Jacob and Esau were, were 120 years old when they buried Isaac, their father. So while Jacob lived in Canaan, Joseph was born of Rachel. Joseph seemed to be highly favored by his father for the 17 years that he lived at home. He was favored over the sons of Leah, uh, Jacob's other wife. And I was surprised to see that favoritism was popping up again in Jacob's family. I was thinking, wouldn't you recognize that? Wouldn't you recognize what's going on, (laughs) you know? But um, Apparently not, and I guess a lot of times when you're in the thick of things, you don't really see because you you got other distractions on your mind, and that, you know, and so anyways, uh, Jacob ended up giving Joseph a coat of many colors, which was a mark of honor and rank, and it was rather prophetic that he gave him that coat, and Joseph... Uh, just after that, had two dreams, which means that it was definitely going to come to pass. It was two God-given dreams, which he unwisely shared with his family. And I was thinking he was probably trying to prove, 
I do have worth and I am somebody, even though, because no, <laughs> no doubt his brothers were telling him that he was no good and that he was just a pipsqueak and, and just putting him down for those 17 years because they grew to really uh, hate him because he was so favored by his father. And so uh, the brothers became jealous of him, and the, the jealousy grew to hatred so bad that they ended up um, putting him in a pit, and they were thinking they were going to kill him at first. I was thinking, that's got to be some pretty strong feelings if you want to kill your brother, you know. And then uh, they decided, because they saw a, trail, a train of Ishmaelites coming, that who were on their way to Egypt. So they decided to sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites instead. And they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, which was less than uh, the price of a slave at that time. So, you know, they thought, oh, we'll make some profit out of him instead of killing him. So they went and they did that and they dipped his coat in uh, goat's blood and then showed it to his father so that his father would think that he got killed. You know, so they deceived their father. And uh, so then they had to cover up that lie. (laughs) You know, the brothers had to live with that lie that they told their dad. And uh, Pastor Gary, you said something on, uh, I think it was on Sunday, yeah. And anyways, um, I realized that the brothers did not realize that it would not solve the problem when they got rid of Joseph. Pastor Gary, what you had said was, the obstacle is not my problem. It just reveals what is in my heart. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's right. The brothers had tried to get rid of Joseph because they thought he was the problem. But it was their heart condition. That's what was wrong. That's what needed to get changed. And so what happened was when they got rid of Joseph, Jacob went and placed that favoritism and that protection protection that he had over on Benjamin, the younger brother. He just transferred it. So the other brother still had to live with him favoring them over the other ones, all the other brothers, for years. Like, that, that must have just been a horrible thing to live with, because now they had the guilt of getting rid of Joseph. Plus, they're seeing the father transfer the, the, his favor to the younger one, instead of appreciating the other ones that are right in front of them, the older brothers, you know, so... It did not help at all. So uh, once Joseph was sold into slavery, he was purchased as a slave by Potiphar, captain of the guard, an officer of Pharaoh from the Ishmaelites. He became trusted highly by, by Potiphar, and he ran, Joseph ran his household well. But he ran it so well that Potiphar's wife, decided she wanted to sleep with Joseph because he was probably getting extremely good-looking by that time. (laughs) And so Joseph was a man of integrity and honor, so he went and he ran out of the house, but he left his coat behind. Pretty well all know the story. And then she accused him of 
having tried to attack her. Well, it turned out that um, Potiphar put him in jail. And so when he was put in jail, because he was a man of, of honor and integrity, he became highly favored by the jailer and was placed as an overseer in the people of the jail. So then Joseph's restoration begins. He's, no matter how bad things get in his life, he keeps rising to the top every time. You know, he's kind of like a, a, a ball or something. It, it just won't sink. It keeps rising to the top. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, his restoration begins. Joseph was given the gift of interpreting dreams. So um, during his time in prison, there was two ones, you know, at the butler and the baker, and they were both uh, put in there, and uh, they both had dreams. So Joseph went and interpreted the dreams. <laughs> so <clears throat> what happened was uh, the butler returned to his duties, but the baker was killed. And so uh, it came true, just as Joseph had told them it would. And so Joseph had told the butler, he said, uh, make sure you remember me when you go, when you leave, because the butler was released from jail. Well, it turns out that the uh, butler forgot all about it <laughs> once he got out. And two years go by. <laughs> and you know what? I learned a lesson from there, too. It's, you know, when, when you set your hopes on man for deliverance, a lot of times you'll be disappointed, <laughs> you know. And I know my, my heart kind of sunk with the U.S. election and stuff, but, but I realized it's not over. It is not over in Jesus' name. I'm going to keep praying. I know all the Christians all over the world are praying for for justice to be served, and you know, so anyways, glory to God. So yeah, don't put your hopes in man because you'll be disappointed. Look to God. God is the source of everything. So um, after uh, two years, Pharaoh had a dream. So then Pharaoh is trying to find out these dreams because they were so disturbing to him. And uh, so Joseph ended up being summoned to see Pharaoh to see if he could interpret the dreams. And uh, Joseph prepared himself uh, by shaving and dressing before he went to Pharaoh. And Pastor Gary had taught us before, when you go to go in the presence of a king, you prepare yourself, you take your time, you get dressed well. And you, you honor them by shaving and, and getting yourself prepared. And so that's what he did. <clears throat> because apparent appearances do count. And what kind of a message would it have given to Pharaoh if Joseph had gone in front of him, his long hair, long beard, not shaven for those 13 years, 
smelly, <laughs> stinking, and, uh, you know, your feet, when you're walking around in dirt and everything, your feet get black and black all up your legs when you play in the dirt and stuff. Well, I would imagine that prisons are not all that clean, especially back in that day. <laughs> so it was a good thing that he prepared himself before he went before Pharaoh. And so um, I was reading in Dakes as I was going along studying through this, and um, Dakes' Bible said, as a side note, it was uh, note O, it said, shaving was a disgrace in Palestine and many other Eastern nations, but a very strict custom of the Egyptians who detested long beards. Joseph converted conformed to the prevailing custom and did all he could to be accepted by Pharaoh. The Hebrews shaved as a sign of mourning, and the Egyptians let their beards grow only when mourning and had a custom of false beards of, fade, of plated sizes according to the rank of the, of the wearer. In prison, Joseph had let his hair grow, but now shaved in accordance with the custom so that was just very important. Joseph was able to interpret both of Pharaoh's dreams, which he dreamed, which had troubled him. The first dream was uh, of cows, um, big, healthy, full cows, <laughs> good-looking cows that were eaten by very sickly, lean cows. That was the first dream. And then the second one was uh, full, good ears of corn that were eaten by withered uh, and thin ears of corn. So Pharaoh needed someone uh, to oversee the gathering and storing of the seven years of plenty of harvest and the seven years of famine uh, disbursement of the harvest to the people. So Joseph had given godly counsel to Pharaoh and... Uh, can see that in Genesis. It came from Genesis 41. Uh, let's see. And it started at verse uh, 32 to 44. And I'll just read you. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll start from 32. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. This is Joseph speaking. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's a powerful verse when Pharaoh is asking, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? 
And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, he would not have said this if Joseph was in his long straggly beards and in the rags that he came from prison. Joseph looked, <laughs> or Potiphar, um, Pharaoh looked, <laughs> and when he saw Joseph, he came out and he said you, um, to Joseph, for as much as God has showed you all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. You shall be over my house according to your word, shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without you shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnath Penethiah, and he said, or, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. <laughs> so, so that is powerful. It's like Pastor Gary said, from the pit to the palace in a day like the God of suddenlies. Just turned it all around. So um, his, res his um, family restoration begins. I want to talk about this. First, he was given a wife, right, by Pharaoh. Then um, Joseph was thankful and appreciative of what God had done for him. So Joseph's two sons, when he had sons, the first things he he did was to name them, and Manasseh was the first son. For God, he said, has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. He replaced all those bad memories with good ones, you know. And the name of the second, he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> And then the next thing that happens, this is why it's a Reader's Digest <laughs> version, because this is chapters. Genesis 42, verse 6. Joseph sees his brethren for the first time, and they bow down to him, not recognizing him. So it's around 20 to 22 years that have passed. They have no clue who he is. Joseph remembers his two dreams that he had of his family paying obeisance to him when he was 17 years old, which had infuriated those brothers. So you add 17, uh, he was 17 years when he sold into slavery, 13 years go by that he's in prison, he works as a slave for a bit, gets thrown in prison, and then uh, so he's 30 years old when he becomes second to Pharaoh in the land. 
Then they go through the seven years of plenty, right? And then after that, there's probably about a year to two years, probably closer to two years, that they're into the famine. And, well, it's basically two years into the family when he first sees his brother, so that he's around 38 and a half, probably, to 39 years old. And so that was just revelation to me, because I'll tell you why in a little bit. Joseph takes the opportunity to put the brothers through tests, because he wants to see if they're still as horrible to his baby brother Benjamin as they were to him. And he wants to know if his father's even still alive, because that's what his heart's desire was. He wanted to go back to see his, he wanted to see his father again. And God knew that. So he put them through all kinds of tests, and he speaks through an interpreter so that they do not recognize him at all. And uh, which makes sense. He's been in Egypt all that time. He would become very fluent in the language. And so uh, he does that. And eventually he gets to see his baby brother, Benjamin, because he tells the brothers that unless they bring Benjamin back with them to prove that they are not spies, that they'll get no food for their families. Well, as soon as... uh, they say that they're going to go back and bring Benjamin with them. Um, uh, they go and they place uh, when Benjamin comes, and uh, he, he goes and he puts uh, the cup, his cup, in Benjamin's sack when they're getting ready to leave again, the second trip. So I don't know how long these trips were from uh, going to Egypt to their home in Canaan and then back and that. Uh, I had no idea for the time, that's why. It's kind of juggling, but um, it makes sense, I'll tell you in a bit. But anyways, uh, they, Joseph, when he, uh, he sends a servant out, because he says, go get my cup. So the the servants go out and search their bags, and of course, Jonathan or Benjamin has the cup in his bag. So then Joseph, when the brothers go back, he freaks them out. He says, I'm going to keep Benjamin as my slave. Now, the penalty normally would have been death, but he said, I'll keep him as a slave because he stole my cup. So the brothers are just freaking And so they implore, Judah ends up imploring (laughs) Joseph and saying, please do not keep Benjamin. He said, please take me instead. It it would basically kill my father. (laughs) We promised him that Benjamin would go back. And so he begged so much that (laughs) that it touched (laughs) Joseph's heart. He saw the change in his brothers, and it proved to him that they had changed over time. And I I believe that as the sons grew up, Leah's sons grew up and had their own families, that they started to realize what a father's love was and how much they loved their children. And so they started to understand how their father felt about Joseph and then about Benjamin, 
they started to see as time went on. And, and so, anyways, um, it turned out that uh, Joseph went and dismissed all the servants and that, and then he revealed himself to his brothers. <laughs> you know, and, and that's so beautiful that they were able... <laughs> They were able to reconcile after all those years, and the the brothers were just terrorized when they realized that Joseph was leader of the country and that he could easily kill all of them for having tried to kill him and selling him into slavery if he wanted to be that way, you know. Um, so, but later on, when Pharaoh heard because there was uh, joyous, <laughs> there was joy there when when they realized that uh, everything was good, and uh, Joseph had comforted them, saying, "No, no, no, God sent me here for a purpose. <laughs> I was ordained to be here. <laughs> Don't blame yourselves." And when he did that, it it gave the, I think it gave the brothers permission. It gave the brothers. Permission to forgive themselves. Sometimes that is the hardest thing. It's when you try to forgive yourself and and you don't know how. But Joseph was able to teach them because he had God's heart and God's compassion. I absolutely do not like it when I get emotional. <laughs> we watch TV at home, and I'll get a Kleenex, and Paul will say, pick your Kleenex up. <laughs> After, when we go to go upstairs, it's like, oh, my gosh. Because I cry so easy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But uh, there's just... There's just so much here where you see the God of love, the God of love, yeah, just extending that love out. So I wanted to go over, I know it's getting late, Um, these are the things of restoration that came into Joseph's life. Years of of toil and hard labor to years of promotion beyond what Joseph could have dreamed or asked for. He had a sudden turnaround day. Yes, that's right. Yes, the same as we get. Yes, because when we're children of God, we're given that same grace by God. You know? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. I got to stop that. Okay, now the next thing was family relationships restored from anger and hatred and malice to forgiveness, love, and respect for one another amongst the brethren. That must have been so beautiful to release all that guilt and all that fear for years that they had to live with, you know. And then I spoke about this first, which was supposed to be third on the list, about Joseph forgiving his brothers. But that was done. And then the next thing was the brothers came to Egypt to buy a little food, a little food, the Bible says. 
you know, their mentality was just to get through the day. And how often is it that we're trying to get just through the day? You know, we want provision just for today because that's all we can see. You know, those bills are right there that are due and past due. And that's all you can see. What you need to do is put those bills underneath the word of God and find those scriptures (laughs) and say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. God shall provide. (laughs) I don't care what it looks like. God shall provide. (laughs) I am a tither and a giver, and I stand on the word of God, (laughs) you know. And I, I command the blessing to come into my house in Jesus' name according to the word of God. The, the windows of heaven are open over my house and over my life. You know, you declare those things. When you see the negative, you declare the positive of God's word. And so, um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, John Avanzini had done such a fantastic teaching on this years ago pastor gave me gave me this little cassette tape i'll tell you i probably listened to that at least 10 to 15 times <laughs> and that's when i was making 14 dollars a week babysitting <laughs> and paul was bringing home 70 dollars a week from selling signs <laughs> And we had an $800 rent to pay, not, long, not, not including the gas that he had to go and spend to try and find who would buy the signs. You know, we were in an impossible situation. Pastor Gary had taught about the tithing. <laughs> and so uh, we tithed for about the first month, I think, and the second month. And anyways, the third month, I was thinking, oh, man, it was either buy some food and put the rest towards the rent, which the food was probably maybe $40, if that, and try and stick the rest towards the rent to make sure that was covered. <laughs> and then there was tides on top of that, and I thought, there's no way <laughs> that we can make it. So I thought, well, Candace is out growing some of her baby stuff. So I went and I bagged a bunch of her baby clothes up. And anyways, I had them in bags and set out on tables to sell for a yard sale <laughs> to get the rent money. <laughs> So that we could, uh, or not the rent money, the tithe, so that we wouldn't not tithe that month. <laughs> you know, so glory to God. He's come, He's brought us from such a long way. <laughs> glory to God. And so uh, John Avanzini had taught, he said, they brought their carts. And this was so much revelation. They brought their carts into Egypt, the Bible said. But they were sent out by Pharaoh with wagons, full, loaded. (laughs) They had changes of raiment for their families. They were, they had their, their food, abundance of food, it said. And then they had their money sacks. Both times they had gone to try and pay, and both times Joseph had put the money sacks back into their seed sacks. So they went back with all their money intact. God made provision for them. Glory to God when they were willing to forgive themselves and to forgive Joseph, because 
I know that they even had to forgive Joseph for for tricking them, <laughs> you know, deceiving them, thinking that he was some big shot in that, and here he's their own brother, <laughs> you know. So anyways, uh, there was a lot of forgiveness that had gone on. But Joseph got to see his beloved father again by around for his 40th birthday, because you take, he was 39 years old. I had told you before about um, how the years added up, 30 years old when promoted, seven years of plenty, two years of famine. That brings him to 39 years when he saw his brothers for the first time. They made two trips home, so gosh knows how long those trips went, and then when they came back, and that, and then they were sent back again to bring their father back. So by the time he was 40 years old, and that was just so much revelation to me, because the number 40 means cleansing and purifying. New beginnings. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, it's there again. You know, I just, I was just ecstatic for a day and a half on that. <laughs> I thought, God, you are so good. 40 was their number, you know. And so anyways, uh, J- then Jacob's, um, Jacob had the fourfold prophecy given to Jacob. Um, it had been fulfilled. He said, God had told him, I will make you a great nation in Egypt. I will go with you to Egypt. I will bring you up again from Egypt. And Joseph shall close your eyes in peace, referring to his death. It was customary for the nearest of kin to close the eyes and kiss the corpse of a loved one at death. So all those things came to pass for Jacob. So that was the restoration of Jacob. And then also Jacob's family were given land in the land of Goshen, the best of Egypt, the best farmland of Egypt. Excuse me. Again. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Jacob was 130 years old when he moved to Egypt. That's found in Genesis 47.9. They even received positions ruling uh, over Pharaoh's cattle, and that was found in Genesis 45, verses 16 to 20 and 47, verse 6. It was so cool because Pharaoh himself said, uh, if you know anyone in your family, he says, uh, he says, put them over my cattle. <laughs> so I thought, that is pretty awesome. They get like the best job in the land just by association, <laughs> you know. And so the brothers and Jacob, uh, the next time, uh, Another restoration that was given, the brothers and Jacob were given a fresh start in a time of famine when it seemed hopeless, and when things looked at their worst, God turned it all around. And then Jacob blessed Joseph. Then Joseph's sons received the blessing from Jacob, their grandfather, before he passed away, stating that the younger shall be greater than the elder. And that principle was carried forward. I do want to read this verse. John 14, Jesus was speaking right here. Because it's a foreshadow of what Jesus said would come to pass. 
John 14, verses 11 and 12, says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And so um, there was that blessing that came to them. And then the last restoration that God made, God made sure that Joseph's bones left Egypt when all the Israelites left during the Exodus. Joseph had prophesied that God would visit them. Joseph honored the Pharaoh um, of his time by having an Egyptian funeral, which I thought was very profound. It was very nice that he showed respect and homage to Pharaoh for being so good to him. Uh, he had an, an Egyptian funeral in Egypt, but his bones were carried out when the Israelites left. So that was totally cool. That was found in Genesis 50, verse 24 to 26, and Exodus 13, 19. Now, to, to wrap it up, we are God's children. And like I said before, when things look at their worst, God can turn it around suddenly. Hope can be restored and faith can and will move mountains in our lives. Today is the day of salvation and faith is now. Sicknesses and disease don't have to stay in our bodies. We speak God's word over the situations in our lives and the problems, and they will disappear. God will take care of them. Fear and bondage cannot stay when we command them to go based on his word. We can change the atmosphere and obtain dreams and visions that God placed in our hearts years ago. Romans 10 verses 8 to 11 says, But what says it? The word is near you and in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we speak. <laughs> that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. We just need to believe God and his word and speak it out of our mouths and see it come to pass. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. <laughs> we hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.